Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message with teaching pastor Daryl Feemster. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13 out of the Passion Translation. It says, Now when God made a promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater than himself, he swore an oath on his own integrity to keep the promise as sure as God exists. So he said, Have no doubt. Abraham, I promise to bless you over and over and give you a son and multiply you without measure. So Abraham waited patiently in faith and succeeded in seeing the promise fulfilled. It's very common for people to swear by an oath by something greater than themselves for the oath will confirm their statements and end all dispute. So in the same way, God wanted to end all doubt and confirm even more forcefully to those who would inherit His promises. His purpose was unchangeable. So God added His vow to the promise. So it is impossible for God to lie. For we know that His promise and His vow will never change. And now we have run into His heart to hide ourselves in His faithfulness. This It's where we find His strength and comfort for He empowers us to seize what has already been established ahead of time, an unshakable hope. Father, we stand in Your promise. Thank You that You not only gave us a promise, but You verified it with an oath by Your own name. You would have to cease to exist for us not to to receive it. Lord, we stand in an unshakable hope today through the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, praise team. God bless you. You may be seated. Yeah, let's give the Lord a hand. It's good. you have your Bibles, let me invite you to turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Also, if you would, turn over in the Old Testament to Proverbs chapter 3. Hebrews 12 and Proverbs 3. We're living in a strange day. Would you say that's right? Uh, things are kind of all, all over the place. Uh, the word that I keep hearing was chaos. That's why the sermon this morning's title move from chaos to confidence. Chaos. But I looked it up in the dictionary, and here's what it says. It says, chaos is defined as a state of total confusion with no order. A situation in which people do not understand what's happening, what they should do, or who someone or something is. That sounds like our time right now, doesn't it? In Hebrews chapter 12, the Lord promised us something that we you've heard it preached. In fact, not too long ago, Pastor Chris preached on it. But it is something that just keeps, and I think it is more true today than uh, ever before. Not that it's not going to continue to be true, but it's, it's incredibly today. Look at verse 25 of Hebrews chapter 12. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. It's talking about God. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he is promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. 
Now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of the things that are made. (coughs) That the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably in the reverence, with reverence and godly fear. We're in a shaking. Do you agree with that? A lot of things are shaking. <coughs> Excuse me. An elder and I were talking about what we were hearing in this time, and, and uh, he said something that I hadn't been able to get out of my mind. He said, uh, I'm hearing shaken, not stirred. That came from James Bond, I think. God can use anything. And I, can't, I, I couldn't get it out of my mind. And so when something is shaken, the idea of the Hebrews word here is that it's, it's being taken out of the way. It's being removed. It's falling down. It's crumbling. Uh, it's being separated from what is real. When something is stirred... It's being mixed or agitated. But the difference between shaking and stirred, one is it's removed. The other is if it's just stirred, if you give it enough time, it'll settle down. We've gone through a lot of stirrings. Things are stirred up, stirred up. But if you just give it a time, it'll it'll settle down. I just keep feeling in my spirit what God's doing right now, there's not going to be a settling. There is a removing. There is something that He is doing for His own purposes and for His promises that uh, is not going to to settle down. We're in a shaking. Uh, What do you do when something is shaking? Well, if the ground under you is shaking, you, you move. You move from what's shaking to what's stable. What's not going to be shaking. I have kinfolk that live in California. Out in California, they always had earthquakes. And, you know, when I, growing up in Texas, we had tornadoes. They had earthquakes. We would go to the cellar and get down in the ground. When, it sh- when an earthquake's happening, you run out in the street and get out of the house. Because everything is coming down. We've got to understand that if something's coming down, you better move. And I want you to look at verse 28 again. What's not shaking? Therefore we are receiving, and that's present tense, that we are in a continual process of receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. A kingdom, that's, that's a rule or realm or a dominion over which a sovereign rules. There's presently, according to Scripture, there's two kingdoms in our world today. There's the kingdom of God and there's the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of this world. And these kingdoms are in absolute conflict. They're antagonistic against one another. They will never be at peace There's not going to be a ceasefire until the kingdom of this world, the Scripture says, is swallowed up by the kingdom of God. The character, according to Scripture, of the kingdom of God is love, grace, peace, goodness, faithfulness, generosity, and freedom. 
The character of the kingdom of this world is pride, greed, self-gratification, manipulation, falsehood, deceit or deception, and control. If you're in Christ, and by what that means is, if you've trusted Jesus Christ to deliver you from your sin, from yourself, and from destruction, Colossians 1.13 says this, it says, For He has rescued us from the domain of darkness, or the kingdom of darkness, or the kingdom of this world, and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, or the kingdom of God. Oh, King James says translated. He's translated you. From the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God. But let's be honest. Most of us were born into and have been raised up in a system. A system or a rule of the world. We were... If you came to Jesus, you came out of one thing that you were raised in. You came out. Now you may have, uh, but yet there's, those two are still of influence. And what you can find yourself doing is you can say, well, I'm in the kingdom of God, but I'm also in the kingdom of the world. Well, I'm going to tell you something. That's always going to be in turmoil. Always. And right now, I got an idea that God is shaking a system. God is shaking institutions and ideologies that won't work. And His goodness, His love for us is going to shake that which would keep us in bondage and control us so that we might discover the freedom that we might have in His kingdom. And so, I believe the shaking that we're experiencing. But the problem is... When we are so much in the world system, when the world system begins to shake, we shake too. Because we've depended on some of these things. We've looked to these things and, and we found meaning in those things. And, and now, now God is shaking this and, and man is coming to a place where we don't know what works anymore. What we've depended on is now no longer dependable. And God is shaking, and I don't believe He's going to quit. I'm sorry to bring you good news this morning, but I don't think it's going to settle down. I think God is eternally serious about what's going on in our world today. God's shaking. Now, the reason is, that we might that what cannot be shaken might remain now the kingdom of god the realm under the rule of god it says we're receiving it we're receiving it it's a kingdom that cannot be shaken now scripture is evidently saying to us the first words jesus said <laughs> when he shows up on the scene in ministry, says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, when Jesus showed up, he started shaking. The kingdom of God came. Jesus is the personification of the kingdom of God. You know, he's the one that said in John 14, 6, I think, it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. But when he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, he wasn't just saying, I'm the way to the Father. He's saying, I am the way. 
to the truth because I'm the truth. I'm the way to life because I'm the life. Jesus is himself the resource and source of truth and life. And let me tell you, everything other than that is going to shake. Because that is the rock, the rock of ages that will not shake. It's the cleft that we can run into and be safe and secure. So when we're shaking and all the chaos that's going on in our world, it would be a wise thing for us to just take a step, just to move over into the confidence of what God is trying to show us, of that which will not be shaken. These two kingdoms are in a war. One time God gave me a revelation. I was in my prayer time. was talking about some things and... And uh, the Lord said, I was talking about living and life, and He says, spell live backwards. Think about it. L-I-V-E, E-V-I-L. The evil that's in our world today is because man is trying to live backwards. Apart from the rule and the order of God. The world right now is shaking its fist at God saying, we don't need you. All the evil, all the thing that you would say evil is just simply living life backwards. It's living life apart from the one who's really in rule and control. Now, I want to say something. Because sometimes we like to play with evil. Evil's not just bad. It's stupid. I mean, dumb. I have a lot of childhood stories that come to mind. I'm not going to tell you. But we've become so accustomed to disorder that we tend to rebel against order. We rebel about against the very thing that would bring us freedom and so we stay in bondage. I want to show you how you can step from chaos in the confidence this morning. This was all just introduction. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 3 and 4 and 5 and 6. Verses 3 and 4. This morning it's really going to be heavy teaching. When I'm saying heavy teaching, I would love for you to catch how I study the Scripture and how you can study the Scripture. You can go. You, if you have a smartphone, if you have Internet, you can go and you can find out exactly what I'm going to be teaching you this morning. It's all there. But what we tend to do is we tend to focus on getting our daily quiet time, or our daily Bible reading over with instead of what God's saying to us in that time. It would be better to study one verse of Scripture and know what God's saying to you than to study five chapters because you had a routine. It's important what I'm going to be sharing with you this morning. And so it's, it may seem dull and dry. Hopefully my looks will change things. 
Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of heart on your, of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. The word mercy there is chesed. It is the word for covenant love. It's the word for when God made a cut of covenant with them and promised to love you forever. In the Old Testament, it's translated loving kindness. And every time it's, it's, in the New Testament, it's, it's translated grace. The chesed, the chesed. It's mercy. Don't let mercy, that covenant love and truth, that which is stable, certain, that will not change, don't let it forsake you. And that's kind of a a word there that's meaning like, well, these things are going to leave me. That's not what they're saying. It says, you don't let go, don't let go of your grip on God's covenant love and truth. When everything else is shaking around you, don't let go of your confidence in God's covenant love and His settled truth, who we know to be Jesus. Don't let go. Because you bind them around your neck. You write them on your heart. Because they're going to produce a reputation of living a pleasing life to God and to man. Well, how do you not let go? Verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord. Now, these verses, you can, as I start to read them, you could have quoted them. Because we've memorized them. These have been memory verses. And here's the thing about memory verses. Memory verses do you absolutely no good unless you live it. Memory verses so that you can apply it and, and walk it out in your life. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. There's four words, four active words here. There's four verbs, excuse me, four verbs, active words in these two verses. The first three verbs are commands. They're directive words representing our response and responsibility. Trust. Don't lean, lean not, and acknowledge. Those are the verbs. The fourth verb is a promise. It's the promise. It's, it declares God's part in the transaction, His responsibility. He will direct your path. So we're going to go through these words. We're going to go through these terms, and I'm just going to do it quickly. But everything that I'm about to show you, you can do. Trust. It's a Hebrew word, Hebrew word, talk. It's a verb, it's an action word. It, it, in other words, it's never stationary. Trust is never stationary. It's not about a thing you do believe. It is a trust. It's an action. It's not something that you say. It's something you do. Trust in the Lord. Okay, the word trust here means a firm belief or confidence in the honesty, integrity, reliability, justice, truth, of another person or thing. The root idea behind the word is that you take refuge or you find confidence in this which is not going to change. That's what the word integrity means. It's certain, it's stable, it's reliable. When the justice of the earth changes, God's justice doesn't. When definitions of the world change, God's definitions don't. The word carries the idea of throwing yourself down and lying on the ground before another, casting all hopes for the present and future onto someone else and finding shelter and security. Where? In the Lord. 
Now, in your Bible, and I know it's on the screen, uh, the word LORD is Yahweh, all caps. When you see that word in the Old Testament, it's a word that the, that the Jews don't translate because it's too holy. It's the word for the name of God that was given to Moses when Moses asked him, Who do I tell that sends me? And he says, Tell them I am that I am. In other words, I am the God who exists and causes all other things to exist, the great I am. In other words, we're to trust in the God who called it all into being and will sustain it and will call it all into consummation. His promises are true. He cannot lie. The great I am has not only promised you, but He's given you an oath and a covenant. And it will not change. You can, Beretta would say, you can take that to the bank. It's not going to change. Trust in Yahweh with all, coal, the whole, with everything, with anything, with everything and every part of your heart. Lave, your heart, lave. It's the seat of one's inner nature, the core of who you are, what makes you you. And we're going to talk more about that in a moment. Lean not, shahan. Shahan. It's the word that means don't support yourself as though leaning on something else for assistance, to place confidence in. Don't trust or have confidence in your own understanding. Understanding is binah. Binah. And the, the word here, it refers to human understanding, intellect, education, knowledge, talents, logic, experience, wisdom, reasoning, or perspective. Kind of covers it all, doesn't it? Don't lean, don't look for support from your own perspective and understanding, intellect, skill, wisdom, abilities, experience. In fact, in the Hebrew, this understanding is first before the do not lean, which, which emphasizes upon your understanding, don't lean. The thought is, don't turn first to your own limited viewpoint. Don't try to work things out in your own wisdom or skill. Quit chasing down all the possibilities you can think of instead of trusting the great I Am. Isn't it amazing how many times we, we try to figure it all out and then go to God and ask Him to bless it? Here, Solomon, the wise one, says... Don't start with you, start with Him. Don't start with your perspective, your feelings, your emotions, your intellect, your experience. Start with His. Trust Him. Don't lean on, don't take for security your own understanding. In all your ways, that word all is the same one we looked at a while ago. It means in every path, every thought, every action, every choice, in all of your ways, the word ways is derek. It's the the journey or the course in life. It's every road or direction, manner, path or way in your life. In all your ways, acknowledge. Here's a unique word. I did not know that this was the word. It's yada. Yada. The word yada is to know or perceive intimately or experientially. It's to know personally. To acknowledge. Acknowledge. You see, when I hear the word acknowledge, here's what I say. Okay, God, I'll give you a wave. 
I acknowledge, yeah, I know you're God. Yeah, I know, I know. I know, I know you what I've been taught. Yeah, I'll acknowledge that. I'll acknowledge your truth. I'll acknowledge. That's not the word. The word here is to enter into an intimate relationship, a personal knowledge of the one you're acknowledging. In all your ways, enter into the reality of God's covenant love and truth. It'll be personal to you. And if you acknowledge and enter into this personal relationship, intimacy, it's the same, yada, it's the same word God used in Genesis when it says Adam knew Eve. It was an intimacy. God literally, listen to me, God is literally in these verses inviting us to step out of our understanding and our chaos and all the things that we have found undependable and step over onto Him, the great I Am, and to enter into a personal relationship with Him and, and know that we don't have to lean on that stuff. We can trust Him. We can rely upon Him. And here's the promise. He will direct and that word direct is yashar. It means to make level, straight, right, or smooth. It's probably better stated that God will declare your way right or approved or make it right in every instant. It, 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 it includes, it was used on when they were building roads that it would remove the obstacles, the, the, the direct. The direct was removing the obstacles so that the road would be right and smooth. And there's an intensity to this word in Hebrew. It's like, it's like God is saying, in other words, the Lord will do a thorough, complete job of making your way straight and right when you know Him. Step out of the chaos onto the rock that won't be shaken. Another word that's used in these two verses four times is the word your, Y-O-U-R. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not upon your understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. Four times. Your. What's it saying? It's personal. We must enter into it individually. No one else can apply it for us. I can't trust God for you. I can't believe God for you. You can't trust God for me. You're to trust God with all your heart. You're to refuse to lean on your intellect and your experience and your understanding. You're to acknowledge to get into a personal relationship with God in all your ways so that He might direct your personal path. You got the picture? Responding to life situations is your choice. No one else can do it for you and no one else can be blamed for it. Well, if my boss had a just, well, if my wife, well, you just don't understand. If the, if the economy hadn't a tanked, 
my, I, would have, I, be, I would have been okay. You know, if, it, if they'd have just done what I said, if they'd have just seen it my way, no, I'm to trust the Lord. I'm not responsible for you. You're not responsible for me. It is a personal choice. And you do this with all your heart. Now, here's, I, I, I've got some really good news for some of you here this morning. Because you've been sold a bill of goods by the, the one who hates you with all your heart. And I, I, when I was dealing with this, the Lord really impressed me. I could, hear, I could hear somebody say, but that's exactly where my problem is, is with my heart. So I want to spend some time here. The word heart is lave. It's the seat of one's inner nature, the core of who you are, what makes you, you. It's not just your soul or mind or will or emotions, though it's included in that. It's not just what you think, but it's why and how you think it. It's not based on your IQ or your education. It is that inner leading, that nudge from the inside, that inner self. And here's the thing I want you to hear, and I think you already know this. There is a, there's a world into, unto itself inside of you. There's another you. We have thoughts and feelings that no one else knows except you and God. And, and, and you know that oftentimes we are one thing inside and yet a very other thing outside. In other words, I don't always do what I am. I don't always think according to who I am. I think according to what I hear. You know, we can be influenced is what I'm trying to say. But what I want to get to is, who are you really then? And the Scripture says, and that's what the word heart means, it's the real you. The real you. It's the part that God looks on. First Samuel, you know, Samuel goes down to anoint the next king of Israel and Jesse brings in all of his sons and the tall and strong one and all this and, and he rejects, God rejects all of them. And you know, ultimately he brings in David from the field, from the shepherd, brings him in. And, and what he tells Samuel is this, it's going to be on your screen here, he says, the Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. David was a man, was known, known as a man of, after God's own heart. It's an amazing thing. David spent a lot, of God in, a lot of time in God's presence, but he was known for a man after God's heart. He wasn't David a man after God's own presence or God's presence. He was a man after God's heart. That's a, another message. Now I can hear somebody say, well, doesn't the Bible say that the heart is deceived? Here's, here's the real you. Here's the real you. I wished I hadn't have done that. Who's the one wishing? I wished I hadn't have thought that. I don't understand why I always... Who's that one? You see, it's not what you thought, and it's not what you did. It's not... It's, 
Who's that heart? Who's that inner self? Who's, who's that one that wishes and desires right? Holiness. Desires God. I wish I knew God like that. Who's that one? That's the one I want to tell you. That's the real you. The one that's thinking that, the one that's acting that, the one that's doing that, the one that blows it, the one that, that's the one who's acting according to the other system because something pokes you, something prods you, or by habit or mere habit of sin, you just keep doing it. And then when you get home, you say, I wish I hadn't done that. Well, who's that one? That's the one I want to tell you about. That's the one. When you ask, you say, well, but my, doesn't the Bible say that the heart is, uh, what does it say? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I mean, I've heard that all of my life. The heart's desperately wicked. Well, the word there, desperately wicked, means incurably sick. In other words, there's no cure for it. Well, you know that's not true because Jesus cured it. Okay? So here's the thing. Most of us can quote it, and we have it quoted to us by the world, by Satan, and by, and by preachers. Desperately wicked. Heart, who can know it? You can't control it. Listen to me. That in, is in Jeremiah 17, verse 9. If you look at it in context, it's talking about a man who's depending on his own strength in his own way and is, re- is refusing to trust God and acknowledge Him. That heart is desperately wicked. It's incurably sick. That's not Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. So let's talk about that heart. When you trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, most of here's how the invitation is. Why don't you ask the Lord Jesus into your heart? Now that's not in Scripture. That's nowhere in Scripture. In other words, you're to acknowledge Him. You're to confess Him. It doesn't say anything about... But, but let's just be honest. That's what happens. When you confess and you acknowledge Jesus, ask Him to forgive your sins and to come into your heart... There's a heart transplant that takes place. There's a heart exchange. It's found in Ezekiel chapter 36. I've got good news for you. You've got a good heart. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've got a good heart. You may have a bad head. You may have a sick experience. You may have bad habits, but if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have a good heart. How do I know? Because you are the one saying, I wish I wouldn't do that. That I is the heart God's changed. What I'm trying to do is for you to focus on that I and get your eyes off all the other eyes that the enemy wants wants you to believe that you are. You are not what you experience. You are not what you say. You are not what you've done. You are who God says you are. Now let's look at Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26 and 27. Here's the promise. And I read to you, God doesn't lie, right? 
I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. That is the promise of the new covenant. It's found also in Jeremiah. It's found also in Hebrews. It talks about a new covenant that God's going to make with the house of Israel. And that's it's exactly what he's going to do. He's going to give us a new heart. Listen to me, the new covenant is not about what man can do for God. It's about something that God has already done for man through His Son, Jesus Christ. Romans 10, verse 9 and 10. Here's how it happens. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved, delivered, made whole, everything that that word means. For with the heart, with your inner self, One believes unto righteousness, being made right with God, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, deliverance. When you trusted Jesus Christ, you invited Him into your heart. And when He came into your heart, He came in in the person of the Holy Spirit, and you now literally have in union with Christ the heart of Jesus Christ living in you. That's why you wished... You wouldn't think that. That's why you wished you hadn't done that. If you can get a grip grip on this, then you can see that what God is inviting you to do is to present that heart to Him and trust Him with that heart and know that He's promising to make a change in the other parts of you that you don't like. And when you give Him your heart, He gives you His. You can trust God. Totally. You can can trust Him in a way you don't hold anything back. You know games, no pious sounding words. And He deserves your absolute trust and your absolute confidence. There's no area of your life that he's not able to handle. There's a million ways God can take care of you and your circumstances. God's a specialist in the very things that you're having problems with. So let me say it another way. Maybe you'll get it this way. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Throw yourself completely upon Him, casting all your present and future needs on Him, finding in Him your security and safety. Do it with all your thinking, with all your feeling, with all your choices. Refuse to support yourself upon the crutch of human wisdom or skill. Instead, recognize His presence and concern in each and every one of your circumstances. Listen, if you're in that circumstance and Christ is in you, then Christ is in that circumstance. Instead of looking at how you can make that circumstance different, look to Christ of how He wants you to live in the midst of that circumstance. Your problem, if you're in a problem, Jesus is in the problem with you. And he's got a thousand ways to handle it. Trust him. Recognize his presence and concern in each of your circumstances. Then he, having full control of the situation because you've given it to him, will thoroughly smooth out and straighten your path. Now when I say that, I'm saying it's not going to happen the way you think. It may not happen the way that you want. 
but he will smooth it. How many of you have ever thought you were, that God was going to do something and he did it a different way? And when he did it a different way, you realize that's the best way it could have been. Here's the point I'm trying to make to you. He, Father really knows best. He really does. He can remove every obstacle along the way. Now let me say this. We're in a time of shaking. It ain't going to settle down. You better learn how to live in it. You better let God shake everything that's going to be shaken. Listen, don't try to hold the dishes in the cabinet when God's given an earthquake. Just step out of it and let it fall. You just got to let it fall. Well, it'll be a mess. God majors on messes. Look at yourself. (laughs) Every alternative, listen to me, this is honest to God truth. Every alternative to Jesus and his kingdom has broken down, is breaking down, and will break down. You can see it in history. You can see it on the news of our day. There's a way to live, and Jesus and his kingdom is that way. We don't need a new world order. We need to rediscover the only order that will work, and that's the kingdom order, the kingdom of God. It's the only unshakable kingdom. And the invitation is to move from the chaos of your thoughts and your experiences and your circumstances into the confidence of the God who cannot lie, who made a promise, and who stands with you and stands for you in every circumstance of life. Now that's really not a duh choice. Why would I want chaos when I can have confidence? Here's what I'm... Let me just say it in Texan. God's got you. He's got you. So let me give you a word from the Lord today. Isaiah 41, 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The power of his strength. Fear not. I've got you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on what the world is saying, what you've heard, what somebody else says. In all your ways, step into the relationship of intimacy with God and He, with divine energy, will remove everything in the way that you will know Him and know what's going on in your world. He'll direct your path. Today, you can trust Him. Let's pray. Father, we trust you today. Not just words, but with our heart. God, I really want to know you. I really want to experience you with passion and truth. I really want to know how to walk this walk. 
I want it. That's the real me. And you have promised. I trust you to do it. I trust you to be faithful. Doesn't have to be my way. Just your way. Because that's the best way. King of my kingdom. Be that today, Lord. We give you praise and honor. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me? Amanda's going to lead us in a song. Receive it this morning. Receive it. on my mind verse 1 David said I was glad when they said unto me let us go unto the house of the Lord and I'm glad every Sunday when I get to come here and be here with you with each and every one of you to be here uh, in the body of Christ with brothers and sisters in Christ who have a heart to seek after our Lord Uh, we've just got a couple of announcements before we go I want to let all the men know that we're going to have men's breakfast this coming Saturday at 8 a.m. here in the fellowship hall you can park on the east parking lot we'd love to see you guys there uh, also, just want to remind you that before the end of January, we got all the giving reports either mailed out or emailed out. If you didn't get yours or have lost it or misplaced it or any other thing, just let the office know and we'll get that to you. 
Uh, also, just a quick update on our building. It should be done uh, by the end of this month, certainly bef- uh, before we come back from spring break in March, but we're shooting for the end of, end of February. Um, I listed the original uh, amount, the planned amount, which would have been $849,000. We've received 761000 and at that amount, we would have $88,000 left. But praise the Lord, we're coming in uh, looking like $38,000 under budget. So, and that doesn't usually happen. Uh, early on, there was some concern that we were going to come over budget, which is, you know, that's more expected. But so that actually takes our need down to $50,000. Um, God has provided in cash in advance 761000 We believe he's going to bring in the last fifty. Uh, and so we just want to thank you for your generosity and your giving and God's provision. And we're believing that he's going to, going to finish that off. Uh, we want to, oh, and I also just wanted to quickly mention, wasn't last Sunday awesome? Uh, the youth and our children's ministry, they did a fantastic job. Uh, the energy that this young lady has, just she did that four times. They practiced twice beforehand, and then she did the two services. And I'm like, you know, her aerobic ability is, is off the charts. Uh, but we are so thankful for every volunteer, every uh, worker that is in our children and youth ministry and look forward to what God's going to be doing over there. Uh, youth meets tonight at 5 o'clock. Spark and Life Group meet Wednesday. In Spark, I was, uh, we had a lot of kids here last Sunday, but the last two Wednesday nights we've had 81 kids in Spark. And this whole, we'll we'll show a video one day, but they're all spread out, all following and worshiping and dancing uh, and praising along with those songs. It's fantastic. Uh, And then Common Grounds will be meeting uh, Friday from 6 to 10 for coffee. Uh, We are so glad you're with us this morning. So thankful that we get to worship together. Uh, Before you go, if you're available to help pick up these four sections for for Spark on uh, Wednesday and Youth Tonight. Thank you. God bless you. And have a great week. Thank you for listening to this week's message. 